HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I'm Lisa Held, a food journalist and podcast host presenting Behind the Label with American Humane. Produced by Heritage Radio Network for Springer Mountain Farms, this podcast series dives into what the American Humane certified label really means. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It's September, and as the days get shorter and temperatures cooler, it's time to go back to school. This week on Meet and 3, we're looking at how lunchtime is changing from elementary schools through college, whether classes are remote or in person. While there was some information about where families could access food, it was spread out on many different websites. I'm seeing people, you know, advocate for, like, going back into school. And a main reason is, you know, food insecurity. Like, kids go to school and they get fed. And I'm just... That's a whole other thing of, like, fight for kids to be fed versus, like, going to school. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to The Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Krista Scruggs. We'll talk to Krista about the world we live in, Zaffa Wines, Coast Cellars, and more. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Born and raised in California, Krista Scruggs eventually made her way east to Vermont. Along the way, she worked on her grandfather's farm, took a job with a big wine company, worked harvest in Europe, and cut her teeth at La Garagista. Krista is a true vigneron. She is co-owner of Zaffa Wines and co-wine cellars in Vermont. She is at the forefront of the new American wine revival, working with hybrid grapes, apples, other fruits, co-fermentations, and a commitment to sustainable, regenerative farming, along with low-intervention winemaking. You gotta love someone whose slogan is, just fucking fermented juice. Welcome to the Grape Nation, Krista. Thank you for having me, Sam. I just chuckled at 
my slogan. <laughs> yes. Even when, even when you hear it, it sounds cool. Yeah. Um, due to the uh, COVID-19 virus, you know, we try to do uh, interviews in the studio at the Heritage Studios at Roberta's. Um, but now we're doing everything remote via Zencaster. So Krista, just confirming you're in Vermont right now, right? I am. I'm in uh, tech, uh, in uh, Isle Lamont. Uh, right. Yeah. Which Isle Lamont is a little island in Lake Champlain? Not yeah, little, but yeah, it, it's little. It's the most, and, and it's the most northern, um, and 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 we're equidistance. I'm equidistance to Montreal as I am now, now uh, to Burlington. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that is north. Yeah. So it's it's not it's not right outside of Burlington. It's up a little. Yeah. It takes about. Um, from uh, the car takes about an hour, hour 10 wow. from, from co-sellers, for example, if you leave from, from there. One of my sons went to college up in Burlington. So we're very familiar with it. UVM uh, or Champlain? Champlain. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I want everyone to know who you are. So I want you to give me a brief background on your journey in life and wine that got you to really where you are today, Isle Lamont, Vermont, owning Zaffa, Seller, Zaffa Wines and Co-Sellers. So give me a little run-through on that. Um, born and raised in the Central Valley um, of California, the farming belt of California. Um, I literally grew up across the street um, from one of Gallo's tank farms. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, I didn't realize that until, you know, it didn't hit me um, until actually I was in California um, earlier Earlier, it was last year that I was there visiting my grandmother, and and you know I knew a group around, you know there's grapevines around, but I thought there were table grapes. I think when I was a kid, not realizing right. that you know it was Gallo, and that context became, I think it's the, the context of that is you know falls on on me, and the fact that you know I eventually ended up working for Constellation Brands while I was working for Constellation Brands. Uh, and which uh, uh, the tank farm location, um, production location in Madeira, um, I was also living in Oakland, and it was the same uh, around the same time um, that Ordinaire had opened, and I was working for Constellation Brands while being a patron and tasting with with uh, the guys, uh, gals at Ordinaire, not knowing that I was drinking a wine, you know, now we refer to as natural wine, while also working for, you know, the largest conventional uh, wine manufacturer in the, one of the right. largest in the world. And so while I was working for Constitution Brands, tasting, you know, tasting wines I was tasting uh, at Ordinaire, I didn't, I really didn't know that I was quote unquote tasting natural wine. I knew I was falling in love with wine in a different way that I was, for example, drinking it, drinking it with my mother, grandmother, i.e. Robert Madavi growing up. Um, that more or less, you know, being in the inside, working for Constellation Brands and then, you know, learning from wine on my own, on my own, and the, on the, my own way, I decided to leave Constellation Brands and, and I wanted to learn particularly how to grow. Um, from people who were growing. And so that just led me on a journey, you know, learning how to prune uh, in the state of Washington with a small grower there and then bouncing around to uh, that to Italy, uh, a very um, profound experience in Cowar, and then to Texas. And then that led to a staging with Deirdre, all this, you know, when I left France, 
Deirdre's Deirdre Heakin in Vermont, which is, yeah. you know, a big, important connection for you to Vermont. Uh, a, a huge. I mean, I, I, I mean, I moved to Vermont solely after leaving France. I knew that, you know, I was doing the UC Davis extension pro- program at the same time, too. And I knew that I, one, wanted to grow. I knew that I financially didn't have the means or didn't feel it was going to be possible to do that in California. And, and three, I was looking specifically to stodge with someone that 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 could teach me. Um, what I wanted to learn, which is when I want to continue to learn, uh, which was to form uh, with organic biodynamic practices and um, minimal intervention in the cellar. And, and in America, there's not many, um, at the time, there was not many, there's still not many that fall within that that umbrella, as opposed to those who make wine, quote unquote, conventionally. And Deirdre happened to be in California um, a couple of months after return from France. And I told her the long-winded story that I'm telling you right now and asked, <laughs> <laughs> and asked her an opportunity to just to, you know, to just stodge with her and that, you know, the way the stars align and circumstances, circumstances fell, fell that led into a job offer for me to go work out in Vermont with her and Caleb. And I was always with the contingency that I would, you know, eventually start my own label and, it, you know, they always supported me right. procuring my own land. It just, you know, that was a five-year plan. and. Here I am four years later and everything happened. Yeah, but four years, you've been doing it a couple. So it was really yeah. a couple and then a couple years later. Exactly. Yeah. Into I, it. I, yeah. I did one year full on with her and, 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 and Caleb and, um, you know, and them trusting me to apply already that what I, you know, the knowledge I acquired up to that point and, and a lot, you know, and I, then that turned into my first vintage in 2017 that I released while also working with Deirdre or well, I debuted. I didn't really, never really got far, but it was, it got far enough that that basically, um, fast forward this, fast forward this journey quicker than I think we all expected it to, to, to move forward. Right. Yeah. So you made wine while working with her at her facilities Correct. Yeah. when you felt you were ready to, you know, give it your own shot, right? Yeah, I felt. I mean, I felt just as ready as <laughs> as anyone would. I think right. it was more or less. <laughs> I think it was more or less just to have the, you know, the vouching of her, you know, someone that I truly, you know, respect and admired and was learning from, and, and she felt that I, you know, had the chops to to do it. Um, I think that would give anyone some confidence. Sure. Um, so. You're right in the middle of harvest right now. I mean, it's pretty much harvest in the United States. I mean, yeah. you must think I'm crazy for pulling you out of the fields, but you said yes. Um, I did say yes. You did say yes. And I had to chase you down a little, but that was my pleasure. Um, so this is your third vintage? Second? Uh, third. As Zaffa? Okay. So 17, third. 18, 19. No, this is technically be the tw- uh, fourth vintage. Cause fourth. Yeah, I my first the first wine I actually made was not in Vermont. The first wine I made was in Texas. Right. Um, and that ended up being Don Quixote and that only saw that wine only saw um New York. Um we ended up releasing it um in mid two thousand eighteen. But technically but people don't re- realize that yeah, my first wine that I made was in Texas. Is that before I, you know, went out to do the stodging with Deirdre, I had accepted an opportunity in Texas, and that was where, you know, how the story was supposed to go. And I, I just couldn't turn on an opportunity not to work with Deirdre. And then when yeah. that was in itself, I just, I, you know, I, I, I treated Texas for, you know, up until last, up until this year, as 
more or less my Southern hemisphere. So I split, I will go out to Texas process and then, and start going there in July. And then I will fly back here and then hop right into harvest here. Right. Um, but since I, you know, I just recently, um, acquired my Zoffa's own land here and, and tech in Vermont that I couldn't do that this year. Right. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in length in a minute, but take me full circle here because you also, you don't have to get into what it is. Cause again, we'll talk about it later, but when did, when and how did co-sellers happen? Co-sellers came about just me. Um, it was right after I was managing a van- after I left Lagrogista to commit myself fully to Zoffa while still managing another vineyard. Um, and I was I needed facility to um, to produce in. And Shaxbury, who I was friends with, you know, we're all friends. Shaxbury Cider, Shaxbury legendary. Cider. Right. Yeah, and we are all friends here. And I, you know, I I was I don't know. I was out there. The cider, the, the the cidery, and I, I I told him I was looking for, you know, space to at least to do alternate proprietorship, and and then around that same time, um, a space open in Burlington, a, uh, presented as a co-making space for other for all for creatives, and nice. they asked if I wanted to team up with them, and then that, and it was just going to be originally just Zoffa and Shaxbury sharing a space. For their wild, for their wild opera project, and then for Zafa's full um, production, and then along the way, we created a, a, a brand, another brand, and decided to to not only to share a space but to to produce together and and right. um, yeah. and that was a couple of years ago. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yes. and that's thriving in Burlington right now, right? In Burlington, and and it and people are receiving it well across. The United States, too. It's yeah, like, yeah, nice. All right, so I want to go over a whole bunch of things with you. Um, you were recently on the Today Show, which was really nice. Um, you've been it's receiving, ridiculous. well, yeah, I mean, you've been, <laughs> I want to get into that. You've been receiving a lot of great notices. You know, I, sometimes people look at you sort of as an overnight sensation, you know, because just because they didn't know about you or never heard of you doesn't mean you didn't exist or put the sweat in. Does that drive you crazy after everything you had to do to get here? Uh, yeah, you know, and then it, it does. And then I, I mean, I, it, it doesn't now um, just as much as it did, you know, especially a couple of years ago, um, especially, yeah, I think now at this point in time, um, if my wines weren't holding up to you know, if I hate the fucking word, but it, holding up to the word hype, then I, I think that I, I would have been weeded out. If I, I, I'm pretty sure right. on my Instagram, you know, people know that I'm, you know, I'm putting in the work. I, you know, I don't, th- I wouldn't be in, you know, to have someone like, for example, Jenny Lefcourt, you know, put me on her, have me in her book. I think that, I think I, I have the vouch around me from the people who, who yeah. support me. And also I think the one, I think honestly, I just, I, I've, you know, I have to tell myself, myself this, but I mean, you you guys would have kicked me out a long time ago if I didn't if it wasn't if it was just about me being overnight success because you can't you can't farm and make wine uh, like as a, as an overnight quote unquote success and I I I worked my ass up to this point so I just can't I'm I'm so um, I have a vision and I'm so tunnel focused that I, I I'm a human being and stuff course like that bothers me and drives me crazy but then when i think about it i'm like i don't i don't need to i don't need to prove myself to anyone because i I think that i proved myself up to this point right yeah 
Right. But people, you know, like I said, you just come on the scene now and it it had to be acceptance. You had to prove yourself. There had to be consistency. You right. know, all that's happening. And then when you have people like Jenny, you know, Leftcourt from Jenny and Francois, who has a legit portfolio, right. you know, and takes you on and keeps you on and is a big advocate, that's a big deal. Um, I never ask this question to my guests, but it's such crazy times um, you know, with everything going on now, I mean, what are the things that are currently on your mind? I mean, things that you think about over and over. Um, I know in normal circumstances, you know, whether it's harvest or business production or whatever, but there's just so many things going on. I mean, do, do, no, do things roll question. through your mind that sort of reoccur that are timely? Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, I started on this journey 10 years ago. I'm turning 36 in, in a month and then some change. You old. I know, exactly. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> um, and, you know, and I, everything that I, you know, that when I started on this journey was to something that just happened. You know, we planted 2,000 vines a little over a month ago. And, you know, I now everything that I worked for the last 10 years has came into fruition and, and I, I can't, there's no important time there, there, you know, it's always been important time, but you know, the fact that, you know, in a time like this, that, you know, my, my team were like, we literally, we had lunch from the vegetables that we grew from, you know, one of the hoop culture beds from one of the vineyards we manage and we're out in, you know, the back, you know, the back of, you know, the fallow land of this land foraging apples. And we, in a time like this, you know, California's literally on fire, which is where I'm, you know, that's my home state. And right. I'm here in Vermont and, you know, at the cost of being around, not being away from my family, all my dreams, all the hard work I put into is all, everything's working out, but it's at the cost of being away from, you know, people who stuck, you know, who my family and, but I, but I couldn't imagine any other time for me to say that I have my own land to farm and grow and, 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 and to cultivate with people because I don't think there's any more they mean more political right now than to have um suffrage in a place that you could call your own. Yeah. Let's let's get a little deeper in that. Let's talk about our industry. Um from your perspective. You know, why is there still substantial racial and gender inequality and injustice in the food and wine system? I mean, it's been magnified, you know, lately, which is great. And there's been activism, which is great. Um, but it's just not reflective of a level playing field. You know, what? what's your thoughts about that? I mean, are you... Well, I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but are no. you are you away from it a little up in Vermont? No, I'm a or, black queer woman in America. But, well, I can never be but in Vermont, <laughs> which may be the whitest state. Exactly. Well, I mean, so that doesn't that doesn't fall. That is it. That is it. Yeah, I, 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 I could no matter. I could change my winner's view in America, but I'm still a black queer woman in America. So um, that doesn't mean. Except, I mean, the whitest state in the union. Um, that you know presented as you know also the most liberal which comes with its own right. issues um just like this industry but uh, all your friends in new york huh? you know every everyone in new york you know in the restaurant business the wine business there's this whole patriarchy and gatekeeping thing you know that still seems to exist yes. you agree it, ex- it exists yeah i absolutely agree and i you know i and i more or less don't I have been able to just have navigated life. Don't 
I don't need any of them. Um, gatekeepers. I'm, you know, and meaning I've, I purposely try to position myself that I don't need you and I don't need your, your support. I don't need you to your charity. I don't need your approval for me to do what mostly also, especially the work, you know, the, the work of my ancestors, AKA farming. Um, right. And the industry is reflective of what the world is. And the, the, I think that the industry thought for some reason that they were above what this country is. And if anything, I feel it's been exposed, you know, this last year is that it's actually, it perpetuates it within this industry. Um, and, you know, the, I, I was discussing, you know, even in navigating this industry, like to, 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 to navigate those things you listed, but, you know, to have people up in arms, literally, or people try to destroy the people's careers over fucking sulfur is right. I think, the epitome of like, of this, <laughs> this industry. Yeah. I mean, while there's people dying and there's people literally getting shot in the back and that's the things that people still talk about. And I still think this industry is very performative and not done anything. There's a lot of silence. There's literally people who have removed himself from Instagram, I think, to just to avoid either being called out or to avoid engaging. Or, or looking, not looking the way yeah, <laughs> or, exactly. or being right. what it should be, you exactly. know, because exactly. it used to be so showy. Now, I'm glad they ran away from that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. do do we think things are changing? Are they changing fast enough? Are they changing at all? Time will tell. I mean, we're still, I mean, it's so raw right now. I mean, we're, in, we're an electric, election year, literally in a, move, a civil rights movement and in the middle of an, a pandemic. I hope that, you know, by the time, you know, on the other side of this, which maybe years, that there is some self-reflection from all of us. And what are we doing and why are we doing what we're doing? Mimi right. Castell just did a blog post, you know, released yesterday. And I think she's one of the only people who actually gets it. Yeah. Well, you know, you should be all the talking, but I'll jump in and say that it kind of works from the inside out. And the way you've built your business addresses all these issues. And you'll explain, you know, I mean, what's important to you is diversity, you know, gender equality, how you treat your people. I mean, talk to me a little about how you structured your business and that if everybody took a little of that, you know, we'd certainly be on the right footing, right? Yeah, I structure my business as I, as you know, as I navigate through this world, and not and, and not instead of, you know, um, covering up my identities of how I navigate, like highlighting them because that's the real world. The real world is not in you know in a room where people, a certain class of people, a group of people are sharing wines and and eating oysters that's right. not the, that's not the real world but that's no. the world that we all participate you still you know it, like we participated in and still participate in and that's still all you know that's the pleasure of what we do but um you know i i me getting access to land like you know people like even even the haters of me like like or saying I'm, I'm a overnight success like not knowing i just literally has fought for the same thing you have to spill the farm and make wine that's right. all i wanted and then along the way you know um i the business the way I structured my business is to to not have people go through the things that I had to navigate going through and and and, and changing the culture you know we I we had to bring we're bringing in five seasonal employees and they're literally seasonal employees getting tw- paid twenty dollars an hour not right. volunteering not I'm going to give you a place to sleep and eat and that covers your labor but your body has been used to to harvest grapes that I will make money from that that's undeniable and you know and that I respect my bottle of wine costs forty five dollars. You're not. I'm not paying. You're not paying forty five dollars because I was on the fucking Today Show. It's because I provide health insurance and a livable wage to my employees and right. time off. And that is it, I, to that's sustainability. It's beyond 
farming organically. It's about what truly do you see as equity? Um, and I, and it's me just, it's, I think it's my responsibility and I've, you know, I made mistakes along the way just as a business owner, as a manager. And, um, like I said, for all of us to be introspective during this time, um, it's a pivot. We all need to make what do we mean when we say sustainability, especially within our, our sector, within the quote unquote natural wine world. Right. And, you know, you're a woman owned business. You have an eye towards making sure that, you know, the business is dominated by and with women. Yes. Um, plus all the care towards, you know, your help, the recognition and all of that. That was my point. I mean, um, if everybody viewed their business, you know, with, with most of those ideals, I mean, it would be, or most of those actions. Um, it would be a better world. So kudos to you. Um, you brought so something. Nice. Yeah, well, you're you're doing well and you're doing better than most. And, you know, you'll only be more enlightened and do more better things. So it's good. Um, you mentioned uh, organic and biodynamic. Um, before we talk about, you know, Zaffa and Co a little more in detail, um, I think you're a good a person to talk about regenerative and sustainable farming. Um, I need you to just take a second to explain to everyone what it is and then, you know, how you follow these practices. And maybe someone can explain to me why everyone isn't following these practices. <laughs> so talk to me, you know, about literally, you know, the fields and the farming. Um, for Zafa, when we say that we practice in regenerative uh, farming practices uh, with organic um, um, and biodynamic philosophies, it's, you know, based and foremost, it starts first and foremost with the soil. And um, instead of eradication, it's mitigation and utilizing what's around you. Instead of eradicating what's around you, it's mitigating what's around you by utilizing right. it. Um and and it's observation, um, reacting um, instead of eradicating and before. And so we, um, you know, I we lost two point five acres of fruit yesterday. Uh, but um, this isn't the first time you've had a fruit problem like that. Once was with bugs. Tell yeah, tell about tell about yesterday and just throw in the other story. <laughs> Yeah, yesterday, you know, it's I am trying to figure out a way. Uh, we don't use tractor and aisle at all. Um, so the vineyards that we have, that we are we are currently regenerating, were previously farmed at one point in time conventionally. Um, the Huntington Vineyard that I'm about to talk about uh, was didn't had no activity at all, abandoned for two years. Uh, this is now the second that we've been in it, and. Um, the only time um, we've only had a tractor in it four times. So basically just avoiding compaction. We do everything right. by feet, even, you know, we, with the, um, for, to mitigate, uh, uh, powdery, downy, black rot. We rotate, um, biweekly, um, sulfur, um, and nettle horse cell tea and regalia, which is a biofungicide from made from knotweed. Um, right. I, I do not use copper um, and we do everything. Those are own. all things to fight fungus and exactly. bugs and all that, right? We pay, and so this year was a hot, you know, was a very, was very, very warm here. So we, we literally had only spray, we sprayed, we rotated those two, uh, three times and we spray, we spray by feet, by foot, um, backpack. 
right. right now. And I'm utilizing the sites that, you know, along the way until I was able to plant my own vineyard, which we just did, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I'm utilizing the sites that I've, that we started leasing as a study to see literally how many people, if I continue to not use tractor and aisle, how many people can, will it take to, you know, to, to do a biofungicide spray um, on a foot on uh, using a backpack instead of a tractor. So anyway, and then along with that, like uh, uh, birds. Um, so I, you know, I, I utilize the Huntington site as a, a, a test site to, 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 to not use netting, do netting. And how can we um, um, mitigate birds without putting on nets? And I, so is netting, is netting like an unnatural thing? Like you shouldn't have to well, net? I mean, no, I mean, it's, I mean, just, you want to figure <laughs> out, go ahead. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, that the word natural is, you know, trick is it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's you know, I'll speak to this. Uh, I, you know, times that I, you know, I was in Texas, you know, when you have to, you know, lift up the nets when it's time to harvest and you're seeing, you know, there's birds that are dead in there or you're having all, right. all through the growing season when you're having right. to save birds because they get caught in it is not fun and is not something that I actively want to do for the next 20 years. And, right. you know, and there's other uh, farmers that I've, you know, talked to in ways that they've uh, mitigated birds. You know, just putting a body, you know, putting a, a manufactured body of water somewhere inside the, in the vineyard that they're attracted to. All they want is water. They're actually not sitting there eating. Right. Grapes. So, because of the, the liquid in the fruits, exactly. yeah, they go to right. Yeah, and they know the sugar is there, so then it's liquid. And right. So, you know, I, you know, I use the Huntington site as a way to, which is three acres, which is that you get to use as a prototype for the ten acres that we're planting here. As like, how can I use this as a way that when on our own site, you know, what will work and not work? Right. Um, that's you know, I you know, I, we arrived and I walk out with my team. We have our macro bins, back of the truck, ready to go plant. And I knew that there's uh, the birds were in there, but you know, we were there on Friday. I checked the bricks and the pH, everything was ready. Like we called, we called the pick for Monday. We arrived there. Um, sorry, called the pick for Tuesday and arrived there, and and all the fruit was gone besides on and the petite pearl because the sugar is not there yet. And Holy you know, my, cow. my vineyard and my, my vineyard manager, he, he broke down crying and, um, and he still was <laughs> still crying. He was, you know, still upset that, you know, he, he still, still cried this morning and, you know, I'd have a talk with him. He's like, and I, you know, he's like, I hope I can get to the place where you are that you're not. And I was like, I'm, I was like, I made a choice and I have to sit with my choices and, and the choice not to net. I, I was like, I could have told you guys net, you know, three weeks ago. And, I, I sit with my choice and it's right. that, that vineyard is, is regenerating itself. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not where that, where that wasn't, that harvest was not for the yield, you know, and we look out there, we look at the way that vineyard got two years ago and where it looks right now and it's healthy as fuck. And like I explained to him, that's what we worked our ass for that year to get that vineyard healthy again, the fruit, right. it will come. And this year I didn't, you know, communicate to them. Like that was like, I didn't, not that I didn't care that we lost fruit, but, I'm not, you know, that's, I wasn't betting on that fruit. I, all of our energy is for the health of it. And for, to me, if anything, that's, if that could, um, any intel of like where my frame of thinking is, you know, the way that I'm farming and truly trying to, to, to think regeneratively and, you know, and especially the context of the soil, I, you know, I took a chance and the fruits, you know, the fruit's gone, but the, the vineyard is healthy as fuck and I could sleep with that. 
Right, in the long run. Yeah. But boy, yeah, you I, are, I do, I need, you're I do a saint and you're patient. Next, yeah, I need to know what I'm going to do next year, though. Like, I'm yeah. not going to lie. I have a year to figure that we out. Ain't, we ain't doing this bird thing every year. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> then, it'll, <laughs> then it'll get crazy. My team will kill me. Like, they're breaking yeah, yeah. their backs out there. And I, like, I I'm like, I'm just, I'm, just take, I'm just doing experiments. No, I can't. So I have you to. Ha- you have to feel for yeah. them. And that's right, when our, I make a decision. I might net, 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 may, might net next year, but that's just, I... But those are the things you learn, and that's the beauty and tragedy of, of farming, you know. Yeah, let's talk about Zaffa wines. You got into it a little, but you know, we'll we'll get even into more specifics. Um, it doesn't seem like it, but I'm curious. I mean, has the pandemic affected you or the winery, the business in any way? I mean, you anybody get sick? Did it affect you know selling? No, we've like uh, we've done quarantining. You know, it, it from a business perspective, um, it I you know I feel I, from a fiscal business perspective, it did not has not affected the business. I, I have no problem. That's being great. With that yeah. That's great. I don't, you know, I don't think Vermont's much of a hotspot either. But you know, either way, it could happen anywhere. Um, so you've talked about this. You know, I want to get a little more specific. Um, you've been leasing land from growers, you know, hundreds of acres. Um, but you talked about and you know, tighten it up a little about you purchased a substantial plot to grow your own grapes. What, what are we talking about? 50 acres or so? Uh, 56 acres. Uh, and with the, with the, with aid of the Vermont, Vermont land trust, uh, we closed on 56 acres. Um, I think it was, it's been a blur, but it was about a month ago. Uh, it's been blur because we got the keys on a Friday and then on that Monday we started planning 2000, 2003. Right. Which you, you had mentioned that is that Isle Lamont? Correct. Yes, that's Isle Lamont. Okay. Now, when you said Huntington, Huntington is one of the leased properties? Yeah, it's uh, about 20-year-old vineyard, one of the oldest vineyards here, which is crazy because Vermont, you know, when you say oldest vineyard somewhere, you're talking about hundreds of years here. It's one of the oldest vineyards is 20-something years old, yeah. So what do you think the the new property, how long is it going to take before you think you could pull grapes off and make wine? That's a good question because we planted because with one thing COVID did is we were supposed to close on the property in July, um, no June actually. Then it got pushed to July, and then um, and you know by the time we went to plant, you know I consulted with another grower here with a horticulturist that um, uh, that we got the vines from, and they're like, you know, you're going to plant in August. It's you could mark it off your list, but you're not going to get anything out of this year. So meaning like pushing us back a year from planting. And right. we, because, you know, the climate, we planted on that, uh, on that first planting on that Monday. And then that next day we got a uh, torrential rain, a storm came through. <laughs> and, Does that you know, screw gonna, things up? No, I'm not going to, well, I'm not going to lie though. Like, you know, I fought for this property, you know, this property, Isla Motts is in the oldest coral reef in uh, known known at this moment, which is also makes it the most the most diverse soils. Um, right. And I chose the site for specifically the soil and then the warming effect because the proximity of the land to the water. And but you know I'm convincing you know talk to the land trust and you know their understanding of the soil series is all with annuals and not you know their their understanding of even with vines in relation to soil 
it's still something that we're all learning about here um, in this in, with these particular cultivars. And so I went, you know, I fought for that soil, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I still have imposter syndrome. And I, you know, when we had that <laughs> rain, I walk out there and I'm like, and I'm like, I walk out there by myself, you know, play it cool with my team. And, you know, I'm just basically just hoping like, you know, I fought for this soil, this, we're so planted on silty loam and sandy loam and like, if there's puddles of water out there, then I got this all wrong. And you would never even knew that, you know, we got three inches that right. before. And that was it drained, like, it drained it beautifully, it beautifully. And wow. you know, with that, and so we you nailed it. It, 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 it made me cry, honestly. So it was like, I, I exhaled. It was like, I fought for this shit. And, and, you know, and, you know, it goes back to like, you know, overnight success with that overnight success doesn't come with, you know, understanding and truly, you know, putting my heart in, you know, researching the soil series and these, and anyway, I digress, but it was something I still like, I had to, I, 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 I it, it was emotional for me because this is what I've been wanting when I've been fighting for all this time. And, and, you know, and then, so we finished the plan. It took us four days to do the 2000 something vines and, and we consistently would get 80 degrees, you know, peak in the day and then rains. And right now the vines are probably about six inches and we are, we already are knocking flowers off of them. So we got wow. first, this is the first leaf. So we could count this as a vintage. Uh, wow. And so I'm like, all the people said that I was, you know, that was not going to work. It's like another way of saying like, look at me now. And so it's, and that's for my team too. And so with that being said, we'll continue, you know, drop fruit. Um, and if anything, we do a harvest will be in 2013, 2023. Sorry. Okay. So the third year, yeah. But I want it to be a full harvest. We wouldn't. I wouldn't expect even a full like tonnage out of that until 2024, 2025. But okay. they're they're really vigorous, so it's hard to tell. And I will say, right. and when we, we're going to plant more. We have to. We're going to plant more next year. And like something, you know, I was even talking to my team about today is that you know you're, we're being told we plant in June, plant in June, and what we and you know it's what it taught me is that this particular site. Maybe the best time to plant is not in June. It's for us maybe in August, considering the success that we have with this planting. You may have stumbled on. It's such a learning process, right? right I mean, right. you know, you get forced to do one thing and it may be a benefit. Krista, yeah. we have to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, we'll get into, you know, more of Zaffa Wines and a bunch of other things. We're talking to Krista Scruggs from Zaffa Wines and Co. Cellars. You're listening to The Grape Nation on Heritage Radio Network. We'll be right back. I'm Lisa Held, a food journalist and podcast host, presenting Behind the Label with American Humane. Produced by Heritage Radio Network for Springer Mountain Farms, This podcast series dives into what the American Humane Certified Label really means. We're looking inside the farm certification process, beginning with the moment a farmer expresses interest in becoming American Humane Certified, all the way to a consumer seeing the seal on store shelves. And American Humane is our country's first national humane organization founded way back in 1877 now we certify nearly 1 billion farm animals each and every year. Despite that growth, uh, roughly 90% of U.S. farm animals are still raised without the benefit of independently verified science-based standards. 
Subscribe to Behind the Label with American Humane wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, we're back. We're back with my guest, Krista Scruggs. Krista from Zaffa Wines and Co. Cellars in Vermont. Um, are you going to build a winemaking facility on the new property? Oh, yeah. So right now, actually, my my team is, I think it is right. I can hear them. Uh, they're about to start grinding pears and apples right now. So uh, the, 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 the home is being converted completely to um, a kitchen tasting room and a winery. So, so when you say home, there was a physical building on the property? Yeah, I'm now currently sitting in the, what can be considered the den of the physical property. Yeah. Are you going to live there? Or are you living there? Or yeah, I'm living it's... here right now. I'll be here through the whole transformation to the winery That's cool. and the tasting room. Um, we have two other structures. We have two barns, larger barns. The barn, the larger barn will be up for barrel storage and um, for the lab, for the winery. And then the garage is being converted completely to the winery downstairs is being completed, uh, converted to the tasting room and then upstairs would be office and then housing for the staff. And so then, you had, you had a head start with some of the buildings there. Yeah. Yeah. The- yeah. It's, yeah, cool. it's, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's worked out. I couldn't. Are yeah. you going to put housing on the property? Yes. That's the, the, the plan. Um, cool. yeah. You know, we talked about, um, you know, regenerative and sustainable, you know, now that we're talking about wine, I mean, just talk to me about practices in the cellar. I mean, you know, we're talking natural wine, um, you know, you try to do everything cyclically, naturally, um, just explain what you're doing in the cellar that follows that path. Um, for example, yesterday we harvested from our Northfield, uh, one of vineyards, one other vineyards that released in Northfield, um, harvested La Crescent and Marquette. Um, we, after we did three quarters of the La Crescent harvest, we actually stomped that out there in, in the, in, out in the vineyard. Um, and I wanted to get fermentation started out there and, we then is doing it outside literally does that make fermentation quicker uh, who knows i mean maybe maybe, maybe not no. okay no, no, no. nothing definite yeah okay like yeah but okay. I, and then uh i and then we the rest of it it's whole cluster and we picked all of our cat whole cluster brought that back into the cellar put the um so i'm doing a semi-carbonic so the the, the juice from the La crescent will then inoculate, it will, it will do, it will inoculate the fermentation for the carbonic fermentation that we're doing and the vessel. Now explain carbonic it. fermentation. Um, in it, simple terms, it's fermentation starting um, inside the berry. Um, inside, right, inside the, 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 berry, the, the berry itself. Yes. Now is the top of the, is it a covered, do you have to cover yes, the, the to top of the- an anaerobic environment. Tank? So it needs to right. be completely closed uh, sans oxygen. Right. And it's definitely a style. It's definitely a great style. Definitely a style in favor right now. What, in your description, carbonic maceration does what to the taste, the mouthfeel, the body of a wine? If anything, at least for me, why with these uh, cultivars we're working for, I wanted to basically lift the fruit. Um, it, it, it highlights the fruit, in my opinion. Right. Uh, yeah. 
Um, you mentioned a few grapes. Um, there's some pretty interesting grapes in Vermont, and I think you've made your name by, you know, making grapes that come from De Vermont. You know, these are hybrid grapes. Just You mentioned a couple. Let's just go through the names of some of the grapes um, that you've been working with. You mentioned La Crescent. Was that La one Crescent, of them? I mean, yeah. And how many different grapes are you working with? Well, we just planted alone seven, and one of our sites there's I think there's eleven different. <laughs> really, uh, and these are all yeah, these are all. Um, uh, you said La Croissant was a descendant of what? Uh, Muscat. Okay. Uh, Marquette is a grandchild of Pinot. So you know, for those who are listening with hybrids, uh, French American hybrids, it's a cross between. Horticultural cross between um, indigenous grapes here, which would be known as uh, like Riparia or Lambrusca, and then crossed with mul multiple times with different uh, viniferas, which is known as you know, we, we, some is known as Pinot or Cabernet, and and it's also not just the Lambrusca and Riparia indigenous. There's multiple indigenous varieties crossed with multiple vinifera varieties until it makes, for example, a Marquette. But these these are grapes that have been crossed for many years, right? Yes. I mean, are you yes. you're not necessarily doing that or the grafting? These are the grapes that have sort of been you know grown as hybrid grapes through the years or made hybrid grapes, correct? Right. Yeah. The University of Minnesota and Cornell, I, I think, or the will should take all the credit for that that they've been crossing and crossing and crossing, and it takes years and years and years. There's yeah to cross. Um, you you talked about um, the new you know, vineyard that you planted, what, what, did you plant a variety, you know, different rows of different grapes? I mean, how did you plant uh, yes. the, the new property? I, for example, we had, there's different, we planted seven different cultivars and La okay. Crescent, I put that on three different, there's working right now, currently three different soil series. And I particularly want to see how La Crescent showed itself on three different uh, soil series i did interesting uh, i did plant i start with marquette and then which is a red grape and then i went to the crescent which is a white grape and then went to frontenac was a red grape and then went to tosca was a white grape and i wanted and i entered and, the, and i split them all up so i could see how they do on the silt and only do on the loam and so for each varietal i, I am going to be able to see how they do mm -hmm. respond um on this, on the on the, the sandier loam of the soil, and the silty, siltier loam of the soil, and then La Crescent, I'll see it on all three. Right. Uh, yeah. So I it was very, and everything's planted um, um, at from north to south. Um, we, uh -huh. yeah, we. It's like, and I, you know, when we were out there doing the rows, I literally was out there with them. My team probably hated me, but I was putting my 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 puppets <laughs> on the ground to make sure that they hit that angle. It's the <laughs> only way to tell. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only way to tell. But you're the good old fashioned compass. Exactly. Now, to to that point, because there's a little experimentation, you know, how the grapes are going to react, how you plant them. Um, you you're you're one of these guys that doesn't make the same wines every. Every year i mean let's face it you haven't done you know 20 vintages but right. <laughs> you know in the handful you've done you know it doesn't reoccur necessarily except for maybe one or two things why is that one you know it it's it it i think it started as circumstance because as someone who didn't have their own land and you know hustling to 
you know, to, to farm someone's acre or three acres that they didn't no longer want to touch or sourcing group of fruit from whatever produce a grower that I could get that was, you know, farming in a way that, that was suitable to, suitable to my standards. I more or less, you know, I didn't have a choice. And then <laughs> I realized that what a, what a beautiful place to be because I'm already, you know, I, we're already, I'm already working with grapes that peep that, that luckily, don't have a standard that I have to live by. And then two, because we're all still in this region learning about these grapes, we're, you know, we are, we're just barely like a, you know, in the context of like comparative and effort, we're just still a sperm that's swimming around and it has even like, and so we, why would I limit myself into one way of making something when we, when I, we have so much to learn and, you know, there's even ways that I've done fermentations that we don't, I don't have, you know, examples of, and there's ways that, you know, Deirdre set the path for certain ways of doing things and Ethan has set in the fable. And we've all, the beauty is we all get to, you know, figure out exactly how these, these grapes work for the style we're trying to, style we're trying to make. But I still don't want to be limited within that. I don't want to be limited to what style will make that I want to make because mostly it's, that's, that vintage was should tell me more than me trying to you know, recreate that, you know, jungle fever. And it was the jungle fever 2017 that really much, you know, changed. The, jungle you know, fever is one of your wines. That's yeah. the, and that's one of the reoccurring wines, right? Right. And I, but I don't, but you know, to the, the one I just, 2019, I just released it's the only one I named the same. And always when I named the same, cause it's an, an, to honor the fact that that wine, you know, when I poured it and, you know, a brumaire, that's when the right people tasted it. And it, you know, it right. my name out there. So it's a no to what, you know, many right. things kick off my career, but, at the back of the, the back of the 2020, 2019 vintage, I put my aim is not to be consistent, and right. the, it's a different blend each year. And it's mostly just um, I don't want to be limited to try to chase something that you know that poor quote gave me success. Or I'm not trying to chase the best of a vintage. I'm just trying to make the best one of that vintage. And what that means, I think that vintage should tell me that, and not me trying to chase quote unquote perfection. That's exactly it. It's 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 what you're dealt, not you know what you could mold it into. You know exactly. the same thing or some you know which is great. And I guess you're going through so much new stuff that you know it continues to be a learning process. And it's fun, and you know, and I think it pushes me and, and more than anything. And you know, I do. I am curious about like you know when you know five four years from now I will have a state fruit that I will, you know, I'm not driving up and down the state, you know, from the sites that we farm, I will have fruit that I intentionally right. planted intentionally wanted to see how they did in this style away. And like, I do wonder, you know, five years from now, what does that look like? You know, when, when I have a state fruit that I will have the same fruit every year. And right. um, I just hope my intentions to, you know, the, my, do my intentions to do my fermentation style that I continue to, to stand by my, by this philosophy that I have, I think you, right. know, you never know. So we'll look at, listen to this five years from now. <laughs> yeah, I mean it'll be interesting. Um, if <laughs> I'm still doing, <laughs> if I'm still doing this, I'll have you on. Um, you know, but I, I know this. Besides minting grapes, um, you have a pretty serious focus on apples. Um, true. True. How did this come about? Once again, circumstance. I, you know, uh, once and. Uh, the first was supposed to be my, you know, my first vintage. Uh, I'd left to go to Texas to work on uh, my project there. Uh oh, we lost her. Amanda, you there? Amanda, oh, yes. there you are. Yeah, uh, vintage I was supposed to be managing. 
Um, we lost uh, all the foliage to Japanese beetles, which is a common pest uh, in vineyards, in particular out here. And so I was, um, you know, with the encouragement of Deirdre at the time, um, was left to what was only fruit that was available here in Vermont that you could just get, you know, at the side of the road or, and in someone's backyard orchard, which was apples. And right. I, you know, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I, I just, I just fermented it in the way that I, you know, the way I knew at the time how to ferment wine. And, you know, I saw, you know, and tasted, of course, Deirdre and Fable Farm, you know, doing, and even Shaxbury do too, uh, grape skins with, um, with wine, fermenting grapes, macerating, um, uh, grape skins on, on wine juice, the juice itself. And I just, that first in 2017, I just wanted to, I was curious about doing a must, a must, great must, uh, to apple mash, uh, co-fermentation. And just, <laughs> I had nothing to lose at that point in time. I, right. I, what I had to lose, like, you know, and throw it and, in the pot, right? Yeah, exactly. See what happens. Yeah. yeah. Intentionally, but intention, but like without like, like yeah. what the fuck, you, you know, like, yeah. and, and maybe it'll be good. Yeah. And if not, like I'll, I'll be exactly where I started. I didn't lose any, lose anything. And, um, right. but I gained a lot. <laughs> And, and that include, you know, falling in love with apples, you know, with this property, we, uh, there used to be an orchard here and then there was actually, and then, and then after that, there are cows here and those, those cows then, um, you know, from eating apples, they shed and the seeds spread and there's, you know, trees that are 20 years old eating themselves. And so now, you know, instead of driving up down Vermont, foraging apples, my team's out there foraging and, and 30 acres of fallow land of wild fruit right now and um just to you know like to bring that to circle and know that i you know with a vineyard out there now and then we have our own um wild apples we can forge from and grow from and bring and regenerate we'll start pruning them next fall um i also planted an acre of of apple trees um at the clemens family farm um a partnership that i have here in vermont so i i i I definitely have an affection towards apples mostly because they saved me my career it changed my career and my perspective of fermentation of limitation that you know that what what is it what is wine and it's not limited to this grapes and that just sent me on a whole nother (laughs) path it seems (laughs) yeah i mean that's that's part of the you know the um sort of the new American wine revival. It's not just wine, wine, wine. It's it's fermentation. Exactly. Um, all right. I want to try to get to our weekly wine list because I'd love to get your take on a few things you're drinking. But before we get to that, I have one more question. And I've been doing the show. This will be our fourth year. And one of the things that I've learned and I've morphed towards is natural wines, understanding them, consuming them, talking to people, knowing a lot you know, more about it. But it's very polarizing. Mm. And even the term natural wine, you know, which you use freely and you have every, you know, you have all the cred to do that. But, you know, how do you define it? I mean, I guess we talked about it, you know, how you farm and how you sell her, right? I mean, is it still yeah. fair to call it natural wine as long as you walk the walk? You know, I, 
it's because you know it's because I, I, I if I'm being frank, like I like that. What, I think about the natural wine. I think the natural wine community, and um, I just hope that even that that if, how do I phrase this? I just with everything's happening in the world, and like, and I hope like some self reflection. Like I just hope that people actually just move away from even, even defining that, and it's like defining how are you showing up as a human being. And right, it applies to almost anything. Exactly. Natural so wine, like, natural people. Exactly, and so like, yeah. I just, like if you're gonna like rock that word, then like fucking rock it all the way, and and like think about it actually like how are you from like your your teammates, your employees, your individuals in this community, our colleagues. Like, there's so much drama in this industry, and it's like, is and and then like it's just if we just focus on actually like the natural, naturally just treating each other like good and well, and then that to me that word will hold hold more weight and i just i think and i it's it's i don't know like i and i i I don't know if i'm even answering the question right it's just no no it's very well said because um the answer is deeper than you know just low intervention or no pesticides you kind of hit it on the nose it's a it's very organic beyond you know organic farming yeah i would honestly i would rather like there's a someone who's farming who's putting if someone's putting 100 ppm to sulfur in their wine and you know farming IPM and they're paying an equitable wage to their employees and take care of the people around them. I would, I would rather support that person than someone who's saying that, you know, right. Wearing this badge of quote unquote natural wine and doing the exact opposite of how they're treating the people around them and their employees. I agree. All right. We have maybe seven, eight minutes left. I want to do the wine list. I'm going to ask you five questions. I ask the same five questions to every guest. We've asked over 200 people these five questions. We post them on social media. People, after listening to Krista, they will love knowing what Krista's drinking. Don't dwell on these answers. (laughs) You know, just buzz through them. Um, So the first question is, what are you drinking now? You know, what's in the fridge? What are you trying? What's seasonal? You know, what's a thing to you now? Oh, I just like threw away a bottle. What did we just have the other? <laughs> oh, what a question. Um, cause well, we not like, that specific. It doesn't have yeah. to be that one bottle, but oh. you know, uh, is it beer? Is it, no, si- you know, I'm what are you drinking now? Beer. I'm beer, beer, beer. And mostly because I'm just trying to repair my relationship with beer. I, yeah, I, beer. I've been drinking a lot of beer. Lately. Is it yeah. cheap Bud Light, or you take advantage of the have, fact that Vermont's a great, you know, oh yeah, craft brewery? That... Focal banger. Actually, right now I have a focal banger right now. The Alchemist right in front of me, but there's some cores inside the drawer right now too. If okay. I'm being honest. <laughs> um, Alchemist are the guys that make Heady Topper, right? Yes, yes, yes. So they're pretty happening. All right, so you're drinking beer now. It's a good thing to drink during the harvest. All right, second question, goofiest of the bunch. Do you have, maybe it goes back to a kid or, you know, a few years. Do you have a favorite wine and food pairing? Oh, pizza. Is there right? something, everyone not knows something. Everyone knows I love pizza. So pizza and like, yeah. Wine, like What's the perfect, perfect alcoholic drink with pizza? Wine. But what? Oh. Don't be so general. <laughs> what? Uh, Lambrusco? Champagne? Yeah. Give me something. I, I actually like a, like a good Beaujolais with pizza. Okay. Yeah. That I think I take. Do you have any faves on the Beaujolais front? No, I don't want to answer that. I hate it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I do, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's, you know, I have trouble asking that question sometimes. Yeah. And maybe this one will even fall into that. Do you... <laughs> 
because I don't want you to be exclusive, but do you have a favorite wine restaurant and or bar, you know, a place where they have the selection, they have the service, they have the knowledge, they have the vibe. Is there anything up there? Yeah. You know, uh, when you come. Daedalus Wine. Like they, they're truly my family here. They, Daedalus Okay. Daedalus Wine. And that's in Burlington? Yeah. We're right down the street from my, from co-sellers yeah from co-sellers yeah i have heard of them it's nice to hear that and we'll give them a shout out um fourth question we ask people their favorite all-time wine now let me go backwards on this when i structured the question the question was really to incite people to tell me about the most expensive and rare wine they ever had you know because i have psalms on the show and winemakers but it morphed into something more important which is what's a wine you know throughout your life or your career or whatever that was important or life-changing or continues to resonate with you you have one you know like i think and it's it's interesting so like i would just say like literally anything like it would change my life what why would why i'm doing what i'm doing is because i'm from california and like and for me and i probably someone would be surprised to say this but like when i see a robert madavi bottle it like it just brings me back to like that's like I, that was on my table growing up as a kid right. and so that california and like and like you know like there's not gonna be one particular bottle but just it's that robert Davi means something to me in a way as a, as a california native and you know growing you know even though he was not you know constantly brands end up buying like the private, sele- private selection right it's not and, like, and then when i started anymore. when i started working with constantly brands i was a big that was a huge deal for me as like a like like is that i was being a part of something that was something that's so embedded in me you know that didn't grow up with anyone in the wine industry but i grew up in the middle of wine culture rather you know so the economically the answer to that is very clear to me. It, it It's more about the wine that was around that you remember that had an impact. You know, who was bigger than Mondavi in those days? It was ubiquitous. Right. You know, so that that's an important wine to you. I totally right. get that. Right. All right, last question. Um, can you recommend... Best wine around 15, 20 bucks retail, a red and a white... Um, through your travels, you know, my kids are in their 20s. They can't go and bring supermarket wines to parties or dinners, but they can't spend, you know, 40 bucks. What do you think? What do you think are good value wines? A red and a white. And you can be category like Muscadet is, you know, a great white. Um, but in your mind, tell me um, a good value red and a good value white. Can you think of that? Oh, that's a good. So it doesn't have to be. It could be stylistically, be, but not like. Yeah, it could be anything. You know, I still. Honestly, you could. You know, you can't. You could get a pet nut, and you know, I. I'm not drinking. I personally am not drinking pet nuts left and right, but I think that. When pet I get, nuts a great value, right? Yeah, it's a good value. It's a sparkler. It exactly. could be white or it with color. Purpose, it serves its purpose, I think, and you know, there's. That's see, yeah. you not answer the question. You got another <laughs> idea like that? No, I think that that's I'll stick. It with goes that. both ways. I'm gonna yeah, take yeah, that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good. Good job on that. And like I said, <laughs> I so we're nervous. gonna. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that was the whole point. Not to be nervous. Like I said, we're gonna post it on our social media sites. Um, you know, within the next week, Krista, we got to wrap up. 
That's an hour. I told you to go fast. Let me do a quick wrap up and then I want to get some info from you. If you have a question, suggestion, wine happening or event, hit me up at Sam at the That's Sam at the Subscribe to the Grape Nation podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation. On Instagram, we're at SBenRuby. On Twitter, we're at BenRuby. Uh, but you can always use the hashtag The Grape Nation to get to us on both. Like I said, we'll post Krista's wine list on our social media sites. Um, Krista, this is important. Your wines are very sought after. You're not a big production guy. Um, but if people want to know more about your wines, your story, and where even to try to get them, um, where can we find more about Zaffa and Co? And where can we find you on social media? Uh, for more information about the wines and actually to get first dibs, uh, it's go to ZaffaWines.com and sign up for the newsletter. I really do honor that. We do drop wines first and foremost to um, – our newsletter subscribers and um, people who are in our wine club. And then uh, following me on the uh, wine club is counterspellers. Correct. Yeah. Counterspell. Okay. Yeah. Counterspell. Correct. Um, and we're actually going to open more seats to that soon because we realize there's a high demand for that. And it's, it keeps us also to have a, a more personal relationship with the people who want my wines, our wine. So nice. uh, yeah, staying like zoffelwines.com and sign up for newsletter. Like we, we really do. We take care of you guys there. And then okay. follow me on Instagram, me and my team. And Zoffa is not just me. Um, I have seven people that, that make this all happen that should get more credit than I do sometimes. So well, we you're rarely in, you're rarely in a lot of the posts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you throw it around to your guys a lot, which is nice. So that's at Zaffa Wines. Correct, yeah. Okay. All right, so we got the website. We got the Instagram if anybody wants to stay on top. And you can go to uh, Google and Google Krista Scruggs Today Show, and you could see her appearance on the (laughs) Today Show a couple of weeks ago. That was interesting. All right, Krista, we got to go. I want to thank our guest, Krista Scruggs, um, from Zaffa Wines and Co. Cellars. I love what you're doing. Thank you. Um, So good luck, continued luck. Promise me one thing, and this is a promise that has to be a promise. What's the promise? Um, I will be coming up to Vermont sometime in the next year or two when the life gets to normal. You'll show me around and let me taste a couple of things. It would be. I. That's. I, that's what I. I. I I would love okay. to. Yes, please. All yeah, right. Please. I'm going to come to you yes, with. Please. Yes, please. I would okay. Love that. Yes. I wish it could be like next weekend <laughs> or when harvest is that. over, but the world is so screwed up. I was going to say right. that. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you to Krista. Thank you to, our, as always, our engineer, Amanda, and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. And one last shout out I want to thank Eric Benny Bloom and Ryan Zoidis from the band Lettuce. Um, they composed the new Grape Nation theme song. So, Krista, you are the first show with my new uh, proprietary theme song. And Eric has been from a, uh, supportive of me, too. Yes, yeah, Eric yeah, opened yeah. a, uh, you know, a uh, distributorship in Colorado. Yeah, Good I, guys. I wine. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'd love to have your stuff yeah. if there is any. Yeah, All right, Krista, got to say goodbye. Thanks again. I'm Sam Ben Rubin. You've been listening to The Grape Nation. The Grape Nation is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. 
Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.